This morning, I want to begin a series of just a few lessons on the miracles of Jesus Christ. We want to begin with the first lesson on Jesus as the master of miracles. The one who was the greatest of all miracle workers. If you will, let's go back to our text for just a moment in John chapter 20. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Why are we gathered here? What is the purpose of our sermons? What are we trying to communicate? We ought to be communicating God's message. His message is from the Old Testament, the Son of God is coming, Jesus the Christ. When you get to the New Testament, Jesus Christ has come and will come again. And everything is focused on our accepting the fact that He is God's Son. But God doesn't expect us to believe blindly. He provides for us evidence. There are many proofs that Jesus was the Christ. One of those proofs was the fact that He worked miracles. Many other signs did Jesus in the presence of His disciples... Not everything that he did is recorded in this book, but these are written. The purpose of their being written is that you can believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Here's what we want to accomplish in our lesson this morning. We want to talk about the meaning of miracles. What does it mean to say that something is a miracle? Number two, we want to talk about the mission of miracles. Why did God provide these outstanding events, suspension of natural law for our benefit. And then number three, to look at Jesus, that master of miracles. I would take time to look at each of them individually, but that's what we're going to do as we begin our lesson next week, as we will go to John chapter 2 and see how Jesus turned the water to wine. Let's talk about the term miracle. A lot of people use that term carelessly. They'll say this is a miracle or that is a miracle when it's merely something that's just outstanding or remarkable. For instance, people speak about the miracle of childbirth. I will grant to you that that is one of the most outstanding events in this world. To see a little baby born and to hear it uh, cry for the first time. To see that new life grow and develop into an adult. No, that's marvelous. But it's not a miracle. You see, that's something that is natural. It's something that's predictable. It's something that a person can plan for. I've also heard people say it's a miracle that he wasn't killed in that accident. Sometimes people are at work and they get involved in something and... It's very dangerous. And someone will say, well, it's a miracle he wasn't killed. No, there was a logical, natural explanation for what occurred. 
What is a miracle then? A miracle is a divine operation that transcends, that is, it's above what is normally perceived as natural law. It cannot be explained upon any natural basis. When a miracle occurs, it's not something that you can explain, here's why it happened. So let's take a little time and see. Let's look at creation. Jesus, as the Bible presents him, is the agent of creation. Of the Godhead, he is the one who was the creator of this world. Notice with me, first of all, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. Verse 1 tells us, God having of old time spoken unto the fathers by the prophets in different portions and in different ways, has in these last days spoken unto us through his Son or by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds. But perhaps the clearest of all passages is found in Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Paul would write, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Jesus is that great creator. He is the one in the beginning that made the heavens and the earth. Oh, the Bible says, well, God did that. God did. John 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made, not made of things which are visible. That is, when God created, he could simply speak and they happened. There's no logical, no natural explanation for those things. I like the way Moses put it, writing by inspiration in Genesis 1, verse 1 and verse 3, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Someone says, oh, but there is a logical explanation. The Big Bang Theory, that's just a bunch of hooey. You know how I know? Cause for every effect, there must be an adequate cause. What caused the Big Bang? The Bible tells us God said, let there be light, and there was light. There is no mechanism, no scientific way that this universe could have simply created itself. But I think we need to talk a little bit about fakes and frauds. Because if you're going to talk about a miracle, there are people who do things that are outstanding, but are they really miracles? In Acts chapter 8 and verse 9, there was a man by the name of Simon, and he was a one who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Here's a man who was doing things that were outstanding. But he was a fraud. He was a fake. 
He was an illusionist, if you will. The Bible says he practiced sorcery. The Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia, from which we get our word pharmacy. That means he used chemicals and things to be able to trick people. I can imagine he did things that created smoke so there could be sleight of hand. Old Simon was a man who amazed people, but he was not a miracle worker. We'll see that later. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and, now notice those last two words, lying wonders. Oh, they're not real. They're lies. They're trickeries. I don't know how many of you have watched some of the old television shows where there were faith healers. I call them fake healers. One of the old comedians used to say, I want to be the wheelchair man today. I want to be the one who, who portrays the person who has some disease. In Exodus chapter 8, verses 18 and 19, God through Moses was bringing the plagues on the Egyptians. And the Egyptian magicians were copying them as they went. You turn the water to blood and so they could take a little water and they could make it turn red and they would say, okay, see, we we can do that too. But when you get to chapter 8 and look at verses 18 and 19, now the magicians so worked their enchantments to bring forth lies, but they could not. So there was lice on man and beast, and then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. We can't do this, Pharaoh. This is God's ability. Yeah, we can fake a lot of things, but we can't fake this. Sometimes you have to recognize that the difference between a fake and a fraud and real is something that can only happen at the finger of God. The truth is real miracles are undeniable. Do you remember in Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray at the ninth hour? When they arrive at the beautiful gate, there's a man who is laid there who has been lame from his mother's womb. Here's a man that they have seen every day as they go into that same gate to go into that temple and there they would worship God and offer their prayers and they would come out and here would be this same man. And by the time you listen to what Peter says, silver and gold, we don't have any of that. What we have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The man gets up and walks. When you get to Acts chapter 4, verse 16, and they said, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them as evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. We don't have the, the ability to say this is a fraud, this is fake, because everybody knows this man. Everybody knows this man was born lame. That's a real miracle. 
Now a person says, but why did God do that? Why did God send the various miracles that are recorded in the Bible? I can tell you several things that they were not given for. They were not given for entertainment. You know, I I like to watch television shows where people do amazing things. I've always enjoyed watching illusionists like David Copperfield. Watched the show this last week, America's Got Talent, where a young man did an illusion. Very difficult to explain. That's entertainment. But a true miracle has never worked for entertainment. When Jesus was going through the six stages of his trial, before Annas, then Caiaphas, then before the whole Jewish Sanhedrin, then before Pilate, and then that fifth stage as he went before Herod, we read in Luke chapter 23, verses 8 and 9. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired a long time to see him because he had heard things, many things about him and he had hoped to see some miracle done by him. Bring him in. I want to see a miracle. Let's, let's see him perform for us. Verse 9, then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. Jesus is not going to put on a show for Herod. That's not what the miracles were for. Neither were miracles for the enrichment of the person performing them. I made reference to Simon the Sorcerer earlier from Acts chapter 8. You have Peter and John who come down to lay hands on the people of Samaria. When they did, they received the Holy Spirit. Simon is amazed with this ability. Immediately, because he's a man who has made lots of money from tricking people, realizes this is now a true power. Could I get this and be able to use it to make money? Acts 8 and verse 19. He said, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Then Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Your heart is not right, Peter goes on to say. Here's the problem. These miracles were not given so a person could get rich off of them. Well, then what were the miracles given for? As John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 makes clear, they were given for evidence. These are written that you might believe. Well, what kind of evidence did God provide? Jesus gives the Great Commission in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16, 15 and 16. What follows in verses 17 through 20 is, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. 
And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. You see, the Lord worked with those preachers in the first century who was carrying out that great commission by allowing them to work miracles. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, there's a very powerful passage there about our not neglecting what God has so graciously provided. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip or drift away. And then he said, if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, now listen carefully, was confirmed unto us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own Word. Now for just a moment, I want you to pull out three words there, particularly from verse 4. God bearing witness. That means God said, I want you to know these are my people. Well, how do I know that, God? He said, because of the signs, the wonders, and the various miracles. Those are not three different things. That's one thing looked at from three different perspectives. They are signs, first of all, because they are meant to convey some information, some evidence, if you will. If you're involved in an accident and there's a stop sign there, the officer will likely ask, did you see the stop sign Yes, I saw the stop sign. Why then didn't you stop? That sign is there as an evidence. That sign is there as a signal. These events were to signal, if you will, this is God's hand in all of this. Wonders. Something that astounds something that's even frightening. I suggest to you that as we will observe later, that when Jesus says, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obey him, there are people who are afraid. Who is so powerful as to be able to command the winds and the waves? And then it is a miracle. That is a mighty manifestation of power. The power of God brought this to pass. It's not man's power. Now for the few minutes that are left, let's talk about this master of miracles. Let's focus on Jesus for just a minute, that you may believe. After all, the whole purpose of studying the miracles is to persuade everyone 
that Jesus is worthy of your faith, your confidence, your devotion, and your obedience. Right after the miracle of John 2, Jesus comes into the presence of a very important man. He's a ruler. We read from John's account, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. Why? For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus was not an ordinary man. He did a lot of impressive things and Nicodemus said, you've got to be from God. Because you are from God, I want to know what I need to do. Jesus tells him he must be born again. When you get over to John chapter 7, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. A lot of events have transpired between then. You have got the turning of the water to wine, you've got the healing of the nobleman's son, you've got the man who was healed at the uh, pools of Bethesda, you have got all of these events, the multiplying of the loaves of fishes, all these things are adding up into a crescendo, and many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? You see, it wasn't just the fact that Jesus could work one miracle, but the fact that he was a miracle worker. Numerous signs could be observed by him. Luke 4, 36, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, Who is this? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits and they come out. You go out and here's a man who's been cutting himself. Here's a man who's been living in caves. Here's a man who's been throwing down a person and convulsing them. No one can do anything. Doctors can't do anything. And Jesus says to the Spirit, come out. And they obey Him right like that. He's got power. He's got authority. He commands even the spirit realm. Mark 4, verse 41. Imagine being on that tempestuous Sea of Galilee. I've been on it when the waves are pretty boisterous, not anything dangerous, but boisterous. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? I want you to imagine, here's the boat being tossed about. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, peace be still, and the water becomes like glass. Oh, it didn't just slow the wind. It stopped the wind. It didn't just calm the waves. The waves ceased. Still at his voice. When Peter preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit descended upon them like tongues 
And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The people looking around began to wonder, what is it about these people that is causing all of this? Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That's what you see and you hear. But you see, Peter said, but we're not the subject of the sermon. It's not about what we're doing. Here's his topic, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Those people who stood and listened to Peter and the other apostles preach on the first Pentecost following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those same people knew that this Jesus of Nazareth could do all of these things. Jesus knew what was needed and provided for it sufficiently. He knew people needed evidence. He needed proof. John 4, verse 48, unless you people see these signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You need to be able to see things. You need to be able to, to, to have some sort of proof given to you. In John chapter 6, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe in you? What work will you do? You see, these people were asking Jesus, What can we do? You know, in their minds, they want to be able to do those kinds of things as well. And Jesus said, you've got it all wrong. This is the work of God. This is what God wants you to do to believe in the one he sent. Well, give them some proof then. They're saying, what work will you do? That's the reason why those things are recorded. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. But not everything was recorded. John 21, verse 25, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You see, if you want to start talking about the miracles of Christ, there's so many that you couldn't record them all. What will you do with Jesus? I mean, this is the bottom line with regards to the miracles. What will you do? What will you say? Now some will refuse. John chapter 12 verse 37. Although he had done many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Others do believe and others even want to go greater. The man whose son was healed, he says, Lord, help my unbelief. Those who believe will have life in his name. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we encourage you and invite you to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ through faith and repentance, confession. We'd like to encourage you to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And if you are a Christian needing prayers, 
We'd love to encourage you and invite you to respond as together we stand and sing.